Welcome to So Here's the Thing, where we share candid conversations that lift the veil on what it takes to find success, even if that means sharing a few unpopular opinions. I'm your host, Leili Amati. Grab some coffee or a cocktail and let's get real. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have the one and only Ashley Kirkwood with us. She is a trademark lawyer and a professional speaker, which I think is like such a fun combination. And we are gonna be talking all about the importance of trademarking your brand, which full disclosure, I mean, if you're not new here, you're not surprised. I don't know anything about this topic. So I'm really excited to hear from Ashley about all things trademarking and like why that's important in the first place. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Ashley. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story because I think it's so interesting to be a trademark lawyer and a professional speaker and to like have left your corporate job. Tell us all about you. Definitely. So I have a bit of a unique story. I have always wanted to be a lawyer, but I didn't always love studying. So when I went to undergrad, it was, I went to the University of Illinois. It was, I'd always done speech, debate, theater, all of those things in high school. And those activities and the accomplishments in those activities was what helped me to get into college. It wasn't necessarily my GPA. So when I got to college, I continued to be very involved, continued speaking professionally. I was getting paid to speak by smaller organizations, even in college but I wanted to go to law school. And for anyone who's applied, law school is super competitive. However, I've always been very tenacious and I went to the admissions director of one of my first law school every single week and was like, hey, really wanna go to law school, really wanna get in. So I inevitably get into law school, do well, transfer to Northwestern, which is where I graduated from and started my career at a large law firm, which is the pretty much traditional path, go to a really good law school, started a big law firm and that was my goal. But after reaching that goal, I got there and on day one, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have no more goals. Like this was it. This was the plan. Now what? And I had to really be reflective and evaluate, well, are you happy? Do you like this? Is this what you really wanted? And I, it wasn't what I, it was what I wanted. Like it was what I told myself that I wanted, but I wasn't fulfilled. So I didn't feel like I was making an impact. And when I analyzed the times where I felt like I was making the most impact, it was when I was speaking traveling, doing pro bono work, helping smaller companies to thrive, helping, um, and I worked in a lot, I did a lot of civil rights pro bono work, so helping prisoners with their civil rights, and I tried a case, and um, I told my husband, if I try one case, like if I get my Olivia Pope moment, if I get my law and order moment in a courtroom where I'm like hammering the witness and we win this big judgment, that's all I need, I could leave law. And so I go to the trial, I do the opening statement, I tear up people on cross-examination, we win. It was a historic victory in the middle of, in Madison, Wisconsin. And after that, I was like, well, I don't really need to do, um, <laughs> I don't really need to do big law anymore. So after that, I left traditional law practice and started my own firm called Mobile General Counsel, where I do a lot more transactional work. So trademarks, contracts, intellectual property, but what I loved about trial was not the long hours. It was the, the ability to change people's minds through speech and how that impacted people. I mean, they, the jurors would be asleep, and then when I got up, they would just wake up. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was literally just like off TV, which most lawyers say it's nothing like TV. It was just like TV. It was like law and order, okay? So <laughs> I was giving them everything in that jury, wearing these fly outfits. It was ridiculous. So I had such a good time. My parents came down to the trial to see me. But I'm like, okay, what did you really love about that? It wasn't necessarily the trial stuff. It was helping the client. He had the longest prison sentence of any prisoner in Wisconsin for a nonviolent drug offense. 
He was treated horribly in prison by everyone. He had a torn Achilles tendon. They didn't give him surgery for over two months. It was ridiculous. So I loved helping the client. I loved seeing the immediate results of helping the client. And I loved changing people's minds through speech. Like I came up with the theme and everything. So I'm like, okay, I need to be a professional speaker. I want to change people's minds through speech. And I want to help companies to better assist their employees and provide better cultures. But I want to help businesses on the legal side do trademarks, contracts, et cetera. So that is how I started Mobile General Counsel. And that's kind of why speech is such a large influence in what I do at the firm. But it is not a common pairing, but it is one that's kind of like unique to me. And I love it. And so when I left, eventually I went to that big firm, went to another big firm, negotiated a six-figure raise. Because I was like, well, maybe I just need more money. I mean, that's what we always think, right? Like maybe if I just get paid more, it'll be fine. And I, you know, was making over $300,000 under 30. And I was like, nope, it's not the money. So then I left and I started my own firm, but it took six months for my law firm to really take off. Like our first year, we helped over a hundred businesses. We signed the vast majority of them the last six months of the year. So that first six months, what was really feeding me and still helping me to pay bills in my household was um, speaking. It was speaking professionally, speaking at colleges, universities for corporations, selling books in bulk, doing all of that stuff. And folks started asking, well, how are you doing this? And I was like, okay, well, this is definitely not a law firm service. So I started the Speak Your Way to Cash brand where I teach speakers how to land paid corporate and college speaking engagements. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. There are so many parts of your story where I was like, I can resonate if I was never a lawyer and I did not have a TV moment, but you know, it's funny how we find our passions, no matter what we're doing. Like there's always something that we're doing that we're passionate about that we've, I think as creatives and as entrepreneurs that we end up really leaning into and that's where our businesses are born. So I love hearing about how you were like, oh, it's actually not the law. It's the speaking and it's the impact and it's all those things. That's amazing. And if you are a loyal listener and you've heard Jess Ekstrom on the show, she's a public speaker as well. And she teaches on on speaking and how to speak profitably. And I think that in our creative industry, at least as like, you know, me coming up as a photographer, creative things don't pay their speakers. Like it's like a, it's like a thing I'm trying to, I'm trying to one woman change this, you know, because I feel like, you're right. There's so much value in a good speaker, in a trained speaker, and in the impact that comes from that where they need to be compensated. So anyway, that was such a tangent off of trademarking your brand, but like, I just love hearing you talk about it because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, this is what we need. We need more people like you who can teach creative women or entrepreneurs in general, how to actually profit off of doing something that they care about and that they're good at. So love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. Tell me about the importance of trademarking your brand. Like, why is that a thing that we should even be thinking about? I'm selfishly like, should I be doing this? Like, tell me all the things. Why do I need to do this? Yeah, definitely. So trademarking is one of those things that no one, a lot of people don't think about until it's too late or until it's on your radar. And what I always tell people is if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're hearing me talk about trademarks, you're going to start to see the problems everywhere. You're going to start to see trademarks everywhere. You're going to start to see people who are somewhat copying your brand and you're going to start to wonder, well, hmm, should I really have trademarked that blog post? Because I don't want anyone copying it. So I always tell people there's three reasons why you should trademark. Number one is you have a brand name that you use in commerce. So that is like 
you don't just go by your name. So it's not like when they hire me for legal services, they're signing our invoices and it says Ashley Kirkwood. No, it says Mobile General Counsel. But if you use your name, but if it was like Kirkwood Law and Associates, that could still be trademarked. And then anyone else couldn't use that even if Kirkwood is their last name. So a lot of people say like, oh, well, why would I trademark my name? It's my name. Well, because if your last name happened to be Trump or if your mom happened to name you Oprah, you couldn't have an Oprah show. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really matter what your name is. If someone else owns it, you can't use it in commerce. And that becomes a really big problem for business owners when they realize, oh, I'm using, you know, Boss Entrepreneur Anonymous for this course. And Hugo Boss sends you a cease and desist letter because you don't own the trademark and they own the trademark for Hugo Boss and they can enforce it however they'd like. Um, so you'd want to make sure that if you're using a name in commerce, you get a trademark. If the name makes you money, you should put money into in, in pr protecting that name because you don't want any confusion in the marketplace. And that that's the second reason actually is because you don't want someone else to steal your business name. If you're sitting at home right now listening to this and you're like, I would be pissed if I logged into Instagram and saw some other woman, man, or whatever else using my name, I'd be super upset. I'd be livid. I'd want to, you know, sue them. I'd want to fight them. If any of that, like feel all those emotions now and then do something about it. Because what most people don't realize is, yeah, it seems like it's not urgent until it is. Like I'm a lawyer and I've had another lawyer try to infringe on my trademark. I'm literally in, the, I'm in a lawsuit right now. Like I filed against another attorney for using a name that was similar to mine. So it's like, you got to do it. You got to do it no matter what. And then you have to protect it. So that's the second reason. You don't want someone to steal your name. The first is you're using it in commerce. And the third is you don't want to, you don't want to receive a cease and desist. So there's a flip side to this. And a lot of people always talk about other people copying them. Oh, everyone's copying me. I'm so original. Maybe, but you also could be copying other people and not know it. And that's where it gets a little tricky because a lot of folks are always, you know, coming against the copiers. However, think about it. We have a lot of the same ideas in entrepreneurship. And a part of it is who hasn't heard of being a boss? Who hasn't heard of leveling up? Who hasn't heard of like, um, this is your year of success or of greatness. There are certain phrases in the entrepreneurial space, especially in the creative entrepreneurial space that women just use. Who hasn't heard of grind nation? Who hasn't like, and so when you use those slogans in your marketing and then you see someone else with it, your initial instinct is, oh, they're copying me, but you don't know who used it first. And if they filed the trademark first, you could be copying them. So the way I tell business owners to think about this, like worst case scenario is you build a profitable business or just a business that does like whatever profitable means for you. Like maybe your business is doing 50, 60 grand a year. Okay, great. You get a cease and desist from another company that says, hey, that 50 or 60 grand is actually mine because you built it using my business name and I'm going to sue you for all of it, plus all my legal fees, plus some other stuff in federal court. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to say, oh, I was using it first, but what proof are you going to have? Your word is not good enough. So the trademark world just ensures that you can comfortably grow your brand. And what typically happens, believe it or not, and this is what I've seen in my clients, they hire me, they file their trademark, they get their stuff in order. Some of them have me on retainer. So we, well, they pay for like a legal subscription. So we, we talk every, um, every month. If that's the case, what I've seen is their profits skyrocket because they have the confidence to do big business. 
And why do we stay in little business as entrepreneurs? Because we don't want the responsibility of corporate. It's intimidating. Why is it intimidating? Because they have all their ducks in a row, or at least that's how we perceive it. So if you want to do big business, big money, big dollars, you want to grow and scale and you want to do it with peace and confidence, then you definitely want to have your trademarks in order. That is so eye-opening. I I mean, as you were talking through, like, if you're listening to this, think about this. I was sitting here being like, oh my gosh, my retreat is just like that. I mean, I think I have alumni who will literally text or DM me. They're probably listening because they're my friends, but they'll text and DM me and be like, somebody else said the words next level. And that is the name of our retreat. Like that's not okay. And get really like all up in arms about it. And I'm like, listen, that's like a commonly used phrase. Like I named my retreat that because it's something I say all the time. So all that to say, please, if you're listening, don't steal my, <laughs> don't steal my retreat name, but I need to get onto trademarking it because it sounds like something that could easily be setting me up for like a pitfall later on in the future. Yep. And common phrases can be trademarked. It's just a matter of, did, are you going to be the first one to do it? So like there are people who have common phrases like, you know, boss, who hasn't heard of a boss woman or a level up, you know, like you hear these things, but there is someone that does have a trademark or like grind and grace. That's a very common, those things typically go together, but there is someone who actually has it trademarked. So you can have a common phrase and use it and then be the first one to trademark it in the particular category that you're using it for. So, you know, if it's common and you think of it and no one has it, then scoop it up. I love that. I actually, um, I will say for someone who knows very little about this situation, when I was naming my podcast, I made sure to check and make sure that like my, the name of my podcast wasn't trademarked. And so I'd love, could you like talk us through like, what is the general process for getting started trademarking? Or like, if you can tell us like how, how you would advise somebody to like go about getting their brand trademarked in the first place. Yeah. So there's three things you can do. One is hire a lawyer. That's obviously going to be the best thing to do. And it's the best thing to do because it's not as simple as filing like your LLC. So if you're a business owner, you may have gone through the process of filing your LLC paperwork yourself. And it was pretty simple. I mean, in Illinois, you can go online, click, 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 fill in some stuff, done. With the trademark process, it's not like that. It's um, a more complex application. And you have to certify that everything in that application is correct. And it's a federal document. So you do not want to falsify federal documents. Think IRS, bad to do it there, bad to do it for the trademark office as well. And um, if something goes wrong, they'll send you what's called like an office action. And, and what, what that basically means is that there's a problem with your application. And typically when you respond, you respond with exhibits, a legal brief, legal documents, like we cite case law when we're responding on behalf of clients. And most people just don't know how to do that themselves. So one is hire a lawyer. Two, if you cannot hire a lawyer because of money, which is the only reason you wouldn't hire a lawyer. If you can't do it because it's too expensive, then you can take a DIY class. We have a class called Get the Tea on Trademarks that kind of walks you through the process. And it's like a simple, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it gives you a high level explanation. So it's better than you doing it totally on your own without any guidance but it's not as good as hiring a lawyer because it's still legalese and stuff like that. Now, the third option would be to just do it on your own. And this is, this doing it on your own totally without a DIY class, without a lawyer is the worst of the three options, but it's still better than doing nothing. So I always tell people like, if you have to do it on your own, you're going to have to learn trademark law. So you need to go and read everything on the USPTO.gov website and really make sure you're doing everything correctly. Because what happens, a lot of times people do it on their own, and then they're like, ring, ring, ring. Hey, Ashley, um, 
I actually got an office action, didn't do this correctly. Can you do it now? And I'm like, yes. They're like, how much is it? I'm like, it's the same as if you would have just hired me to begin with because I can't, I have to go back and fix all of your work and develop a rapport with the lawyer and then take over the application. Sometimes it's more work for me if I take over your application, depending on how, <laughs> how you did it. So I do recommend if you can make the investment, make it. And it's a great investment. You do not have to do anything for five years after you file it. So you file it, it's good for five years. After five years, all you do is file a maintenance filing and you can literally own a trademark forever. Even after you're gone, you put in the name of your LLC, you have all your paperwork in order, your company goes on, your trademark rights can live on as well. So it's a really good way to get started, but it's you're gonna file your application by going to USPTO.gov. That is the United States Patent and Trademark Office website. And another thing to keep in mind, the reason why you wanna have a lawyer, you're submitting it to the USPTO, they have lawyers that review the application. So the government has lawyers. You want to have a lawyer as well. You would not want to be representing yourself. Awesome. That's super helpful. Just as a general kind of range, what is the difference would you say between like doing it yourself cost-wise and hiring a lawyer in general? It depends on the category of goods that you're going to file for. So your application, one person may own multiple trademarks. Like I have Speak Your Way to Cash. I own it as a trademark, but it's a podcast. It's a Facebook group. It's a coaching platform. So that one application would even if I did it on my own would run into the thousands because you have to pay for an application fee for each individual category and the trademark application fee costs are going up um, or they they're, I think they're I don't know the date that they're going to go up but the government is considering raising the rate of the application so if you hire a lawyer for us right now as of uh, the date that we're filing this podcast our rate is twenty two fifty so two thousand two hundred and fifty dollars and that includes the application fee for one category of goods. So that's that. And you really, when you think about this, the trademark process is one year. If at any point during that process, you're doing it on your own and you don't respond to one of their um, office actions, you lose your trademark application and have to start over. So if you hire a lawyer, it's our job to keep up with those filing dates. So we update our clients every two months and keep going with that process. So you're getting a, a service that takes a year to complete sometimes for 2250. I mean, that's pretty low investment. Um, and it may go up actually. So it's just as of today's date, that's the price of getting it done. Because the more I think about it, I'm like, I am working for a year for 2250. That's crazy. So, um, so that's kind of how the process works. But we do represent small businesses, so we try to keep it reasonable, and and we go from there. And some of our clients get multiple trademarks. It's like it's kind of addicting. After you file one, you end up filing quite a few. Because I think I have about five now, and I have a few clients that have like three or four trademarks. That's so helpful. I'm I'm just like sitting here thinking like. If there's a one thing that I learned in my business that I would love to share with all of our listeners, it's like know when you should do something and know when you should invest in a professional to do something. And this is, I just from like, before I even hit record, I told you, I literally don't know anything about this. And as you're talking, I'm like, this is not something I would want to do by myself. Like there's no part of me that thinks I could figure this out. I mean, could we all probably figure it out if we had all the time in the world? Yes, but these are this is definitely one of those things where you don't want to mess up. Like you said, you don't want to have to stay on top of it. You're probably running another business. Um so I love that. I think it's I think it's awesome and I really appreciate you sharing that um general range with us and yeah, of course, like you might need to raise your prices because that sounds like a lot of work for a really affordable price at least for somebody who is probably at the point in business where they're needing to really make sure they're covered. I love that. Okay. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with in terms of like, 
action steps that they should be taking to make sure that they're covered or things that maybe they need to be thinking about that they've never thought of before since I've never thought of any of this before? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So one of the things that you all want to consider is just take an assessment of your intellectual property, which ranges from patents, trademarks, or copyrights. And so when you think of copyright versus trademark, copyright is, um, it runs with your content. So if you write a book, you can file a federal copyright for that. If you write a blog or have a journal, you can file a federal copyright for that. But your trademark is going to be your brand name. And so for one business, you may have, like you said, you have a retreat, you have this podcast, you may have an online course. The names of all of those things could be individual trademark applications. And so you want to keep a good eye on whether or not you need multiple trademarks. And then the second thing I would say is like, make sure that you at least talk to a lawyer. It's one thing that hiring a lawyer, it seems daunting for a lot of business owners, but at least do a consult at like bare minimum. Our consultations right now are like 99 bucks as of the date of this podcast. Now I'm reevaluating my whole life, <laughs> but, um, but they're only 99 bucks. And like we get on a call and we just do an assessment like, okay, this is what you need. This is what I think you should do. Um, and then we can prioritize what you should do to get started. Because for a lot of people, they're going to need a lot of stuff. And it's going to be overwhelming for them to figure out like, well, how am I going to pay for all this? It's going to be $10,000 or more. Like, what does this even look like? I need everything. I don't have anything. We'll just prioritize. All right. Well, we're going to protect the thing that makes you the most money first. And then we're going to go in that priority. Okay. Then we're going to go to the thing that is going to cause you to get sued the fastest. Like the fact that you don't have any contracts with any of your contractors. That's a huge problem. Or you're licensing out products, but you don't have contracts with any of the artists that made the initial works like that's a problem so you want to we can help you prioritize it but at least do a consultation that way you know okay i need to get my stuff together at least i'll have the call the calls of very low investment and i can figure out what i need to get done and i can plan over the course of the next year to get myself together i think that's really great advice um just because i i do feel that this is something that we just don't know enough about as your general, I'm speaking for like all the general creative entrepreneurs in the world. Like, I feel like unless it's your area of expertise, why not have that consult call and like, you know, see where, at least see where you should be starting or like, you know, it's like going to get a checkup at the doctor. Like it's the same concept, I think of just like making sure you're doing okay. And like, what do we need to do right now? And what can wait? Um, well, it definitely is. I mean, cause I, last year I hired a bookkeeper for the first time she immediately found $2,000 of fraud. We never were able to get the money back, but I was able to write that off at the end of the year. So I was like, okay, great. That was amazing. That was worth the cost of whatever. I think it was like three or 400 a month I was paying her, but like that was worth the cost. I mean, she just found thousands of dollars and I would have never found it because I'm not, I mean, I, you know, and the thing is, that's another, it is a problem that I would have never found it. That's like the first problem. So that's my fault. But the second problem is I am focused on serving clients and getting more. <laughs> like that is most business owners are like, how do I serve my clients? How do I get more? Anything outside of that, you're just not thinking about. There have been times that I've hired other, like I've hired a lawyer. So I'm like, look, I have two, I'm doing all the legal work for all of my clients. I am not also going to do legal work that doesn't pay me. I'm going to pay you to do that. <laughs> so you know, you do want to just think through like, all right, I'm not going to do this stuff. Let's be real here. And what you'll find is it'll, it'll actually, it should actually help you to protect your money or make more of it. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I love that so much because it just reminds me I'm all fired up now. Cause I'm like, this is, this is the whole concept of like the CEO mindset and why some businesses escalate so quickly and they grow so fast because you should be able to recognize like, these are not things I need to spend my time on. Like you said, I need to spend my time on getting more clients, serving my clients well, making sure that I'm like building up the side of the business that only I can build and everything else should be allocated to professionals who are trained to handle it. So I love that. Um, okay. And then of course I have to end with, if you have an unpopular opinion on trademarking your brand or on any of the legalities that you talked about before, if you have an unpopular opinion to share with our audience. My unpopular opinion is that you need to hire the lawyer that makes you feel like slow. Like some people think that, <laughs> that they have a good lawyer. If the lawyer talks in legalese and uses words they don't know or makes them feel small or doesn't call them back because they're so busy. I'm always amazed when I have a client and they're like, oh, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm like, you paid for the consult. Like who, <laughs> who have you been dealing with here? So you shouldn't, you, you know innately even if, if it's a lawyer, it's an accountant, it's any type of professional that maybe they have an expertise that you don't, you know innately whether or not they're a good fit for you because you'll either like them or you won't. And if you don't like the person, even if they have expertise, just go find someone else with the expertise that you also like. I do not believe in hiring people that aren't good people for you, but I do believe in getting the expertise you need in your business. Oh, I love that. I totally agree. I'm like, I need to be able to click with the person that I'm talking to. And I also need to be able to know that like, if I have a question, you won't make me feel like an idiot when I start a podcast interview that's like, Hey, I don't know what I'm talking about here. So yeah, you know, but that's why that's, I think such an important lesson for all of us. So I love that. Thank you so much. This was, I'm really fired up about this episode. I can't wait for people to hear it because I think I needed it more than I thought I did. So thank you, <laughs> Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to so here's the thing podcast.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.